Welcome back to Higher, everyone. The podcast where we help you reach higher in your career and learn with and from experts in recruitment, entrepreneurship, marketing, and many more about what it takes to become a leader in your dream industry. But first, hit that beat, Nikki Simmons. I'm so scared. Why, Tom? Well, having a 9 to 5 is so safe and comfortable. How could one ever leave it behind? You literally just did that three weeks ago. Well, true. Tazamza Consulting is here. Yay. So were you really scared? No. What then? Guess. Concerned? Nope. Sleep deprived? Nope. Spreading grey hairs? Not yet. <laughs> Chewing off your fingernails? Uh, they are very much intact. Thank you. Last try. Thrilled, brimming with a sense of potential, ready to conquer the world, slay, strut, work, win. Bingo. Starting an entrepreneurial journey can be a disconcerting thing. Starting a business certainly is. But there are other ways to approach this space without launching a whole brand all in one. And Tom is not the first to have done it. That is why we have Leila van Alvensleben with us today, who has transformed her career more often than a chameleon changes colour in a day. To tell us all about her career journey. About how she shaped her skill sets and wields it. And about how you too can become a freelancer without fearing you run out of clients every two weeks. About the pitfalls and the payoffs of making it on your own. Let's go get it. Follow the podcast on Instagram, link down below. We've got Layla in the virtual building. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much, Layla, for joining us today. And, you know, we know quite a lot about you having talked to you already, but we'd love you to explain what your journey is to our audience and tell them a little bit more about you. Hey, Tom. Hey, Nikki. Hello. Um, good, to, good to hear from you again. So my journey uh, in a few words, um, I have a background in interior architecture and then I did some graphic design, UX design. And now um, I'm working as a remote work coach and also as head of culture and collaboration at Mural. Okay, love it. My goodness, collaboration galore. So at the beginning of these of this show, we usually like to sort of debunk a couple of myths. Obviously, today we talk about um, a little bit the world of freelancing, a little bit about the world of um, the gig economy. Um, but oftentimes what we do just for simplicity's sake and so that we can give our audience some anchor points to store their knowledge, we separate, you know, the nine to five from the life of entrepreneurs with maybe a side hustle connecting the two. But um Doing freelance work can lead to full-time employment and vice versa. You know, things change over time. So tell us a little bit more about your career journey. You've just hinted, but where did you start and where are you now? Well, uh, the journey took me um, in many different directions. So <laughs> as I mentioned earlier, I, I studied interior architecture. I only did one internship for a few months and then I was unemployed. I had a really hard time finding a job at the time. I studied in Switzerland, by the way. Um, and then I decided to go towards graphic design, which was a lot more fascinating for me. So then I created my own graphic design portfolio. So I'm very self-taught in that way. Um, Great. A lot of the things I do, basically, I don't have any kind of certificate <laughs> or degree in. Um, and did graphic design 
for a few years in advertising agencies. And then I, I did do another degree, though. Eventually, I went back to study. Um, I did a degree in... Um, um, just trying to remember what it was, a master's in digital media management at Hyper Island, um, which is very much focused on design thinking and also understanding how um, organizations everywhere are being affected by digital transformation and how that's impacting people as well. And so then I moved towards a, a job in user experience design. So I was a UX designer for a few years, um, working remotely in a small company of about eight people. We had um, no office at all. This was way before COVID. This was like seven years ago. And uh, I got really into doing um, design in a remote team. And I started blogging about it. And then I started helping other people doing UX design remotely. And then I just realized a lot of people just want to know how to work remotely in general, regardless of whether they're designers or not. So then I started facilitating workshops online, giving people an experience of what it was like to work fully remote. Of course, this is 2021. Everyone knows what that's like right now, but back then it wasn't very common. Um, and then I... I started, uh, yeah, cons consulting other companies and helping other companies um, on remote collaboration. And then I did a year as head of people operations at Mural, which is where I'm working now, but I don't have a background in HR and it was a little bit too operational for me. Um, and now I'm in a role as head of culture and collaboration. So a lot of what I do is um, um, finding ways uh, for the employees at Mural to feel connected and motivated to what they're doing, uh, helping them foster their own culture and doing a lot of events and still a lot of advocacy for remote work. I love this so much because sort of your, your passions have evolved, but you've always found ways to, um, you know, hone your skill and uh, project them into new and exciting career opportunities for yourself. And in 2018, I have actually experienced um, your coaching and UX skills firsthand because I also was at a workshop um, that was hosted by Hyper Island, actually. Um, and I'd considered doing a master's in, um, in UX design as well um, later on. I chose something different in the end, but that's where we met all these years ago. And so now we're back on air together, which <laughs> I love. So, um, you know, I, when I met you for the first time, I thought that you must have been doing this for ages, but you didn't actually start, you know, this kind of like freelance coach work until relatively recently. I think you mentioned three years at some point. So what drove you to switch gear um, to go from, you know, your small company gets you feel like a nine to five stable employment um, to, you know, to what you're doing today? And was there anything that was holding you back from, you know, this idea of being a bit more free, being an independent um, initially? Yeah, well, that whole, um, you know, giving people the impression that I knew what I was doing is really about faking it till you make it. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm a big believer in that. Um, but yeah, I, I think um, when I was working in these more traditional roles as a graphic designer, going to an office every day and things like that, I actually had a lot of freelance friends. I also lived with freelancers. Like I, I felt like I was surrounded by freelancers in my in my private life outside of work. Um, and it was really inspiring to see that, you know, they could go to a cafe when they wanted and then they would go to their studio and continue working a little bit here and there. Um, and that, that kind of freedom really attracted me. 
but at the same time, I'm somebody who needs security. Uh, I need to know that I will get my paycheck at the end of the month and that I can, you know, pay my rent and all these kind of things. And um, I think I didn't feel ready to to launch myself as a freelancer. And I also, I kind of liked being handheld. I wasn't, I wouldn't say I was ambitious at all. I wasn't looking to, you know, step up in my career. I was just like, yep, just tell me what to do and I'll do it and then pay me and I'm happy. Um, but then as the years progressed and I started working remotely, I think having a steady nine to five job in, in a remote team gave me a taste of what that freedom was like. Yeah, I mean, it was sure. a lot of freedom because I could work from anywhere. Literally. I mean, my <laughs> boss was in Malaysia, my other teammates were spread across Europe and Southeast Asia and I could travel and I just needed to let them know here's, this is my time zone now. And this is, you know, when you can overlap with me. So I, I started experimenting with that and that was like the best of both worlds, right? Because I had the flexibility um, and also the paycheck. Um, <laughs> but then I, um, well, for, for various reasons, some are, you know, related to the company at the time. Um, they had to downscale a bit, but also I, I started surrounding myself with a new group of friends. Uh, well, they were also all freelancers. Um, and this was um, a group of friends in Paris, actually. And they were a bit younger than me. And, you know, had started their own companies. They were in the startup scene as well in Paris. And they just kept telling me, why don't you freelance? You have the skills, the, the connections. I mean, we can also help you, but you can easily do what you're doing and freelance and actually um, also maybe, you know, charge a bit more than what you're earning. Because I wasn't, the company I was at, I wasn't earning a lot. But that wasn't why I was there. I was, I really, at the time I valued moving around more than anything. But then as I grew older and I was in my early 30s, I'm now 35, but um, I started, my, my priorities started shifting and I was thinking, um, yeah, well, I'm a, I'm a single woman now, but what happens, you know, if I want to have a family, want to raise a kid, I mean, yes, the flexibility is great, but the paycheck wasn't that great. Maybe at the time, if I wanted to like, expand on that, and I was living in London, which is a very expensive city. so. I decided that I would try um, freelancing. Oh, that's, yeah, that's really great. And uh, like you said, our motivations change a lot and the values, even like you said, you were working in a company and you, you like the values there. But mm -hmm. again, it comes a point where your motivation changes, as you've just mentioned. So I think that's really important to put across to the listeners as well. We change as we go along, as we grow, as we, exactly. as we meet different people. And we do often speak about that. Um, the people around us are so important, having the entourage or the people. And if they're not right for you, you need to move as well and try and find new people that can help you be motivated and change that for your future. Um, I think I just want to quickly ask you a little bit, like I'm working in corporate now and, and I wanted to know what you actually loved about working in it before or in the company rather than what you're doing now. Yeah, well, I've never worked in a corporate company, but um, the companies I pick, I always try to pick kind of small companies that felt mm -hmm. a little bit more intimate if I can put it that way um not in, not in a in a in a weird way but just uh where you know everybody and you could still you know have a very close connection also with the founders or the CEO or whoever um so the company that I was at that allowed me to work remotely was an incredible company I mean it was super super inspiring and I think it really shaped the way that I work today um 
It was founded by um, a British man uh, who was actually, he had studied law, but started then coding on the side and building his own websites. And he's also hard of hearing. Um, and it was really interesting for me to have already a, a boss who's, you know, introduced me to the world of hard of hearing and deaf people. Um, that really affected our culture as well, how we, we documented everything because it was, although he was, you know, he could speak perfectly well and understand everything we were saying as long as he could um, see our faces. Mm-hmm. Um, it really impacted the way that we, we had a lot of empathy for each other. We had a lot of, um, we took time to really listen to each other and speak, you know, you couldn't really speak over people because mm-hmm. <laughs> otherwise he wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't be able to follow and he's mm-hmm. the boss. Um, but also he wasn't the boss in the sense that we had a flat, um, non-hierarchical organizational structure. So he was reading a lot of books about leadership and how to lead in a different way. And um, we read about holacracy. We read a book um, like um, Reinventing Organizations by Frederick Laloux that I can definitely recommend about all these companies working in different in, in novel ways where um, you are more flat, but also you take decisions together in a different way. So we had like a whole process on how to make decisions uh, together. Um, we had transparent salaries. Everybody knew who have, what everybody else earned. Um, initially, before I joined, they had a salary calculator that was inspired by Buffer's salary calculator. It's Buffer's also a remote team. And so they have salaries based, at the time, they had salaries based on your position, your expertise, your experience in, the, in that role, and also your location. Um, I don't know if they still use that calculator, but then we tried a different way, which is just um, you would decide your own salary and share it with the whole company. Um, and then other people could give you feedback on, you know, you would just explain why you thought you wanted to earn that um, amount. And that was really interesting. And so we blogged a lot about these different ways of working besides the fact that we were remote, which was also completely, you know, absurd for many people. Um, so that for me was, was the reason why I was there. You know, it was just, uh, just, we, we kept experimenting and iterating along the way. And then we would test something out and like, okay, maybe the salary calculator didn't work out. Let's try something else. Um, and there was, you know, there wasn't any kind of negativity around it, but you could easily speak your mind and be listened to. I love that you've brought in diversity side of things. And a lot of the time, especially now in corporate, it's about the employees stepping up and saying their their differences and, and showing what their worth is. And it obviously changed the company a lot, having that your your boss being so open about that as well and, and bringing it into the culture. So I think that's a really important point that stepping up and talking about it and, and bringing it into the culture and having that diverse um, employee set is, is really important for a company to evolve and change. Yes, and I think especially big companies have so much to learn from small organizations that can grow this kind of mindset very organically because mm-hmm. people have such an intimate relationship with one another i'll be sure to um to drop a link to the book that you've just mentioned to the show notes so if anybody uh, listening out there go have a look at it because we all need to learn much more about this topic but um let's freelance y'all so (laughs) freelancing doesn't mean you have to be you know grappling for new clients every few weeks so you Lena, you've created something with mural for yourself that's a little bit more stable but still allows you that status and the opportunity to also take on clients from the side if you want to so can you explain a little bit more about um, about that process and how you make your decisions as an independent. 
Yeah, so the way I'm working now, well, let me just rewind a little bit. When you and I met Tom and I was giving that workshop at Hyper Island, it was actually, I think it was one of my first freelance gigs. Um, oh, wow. And I had a relationship with Hyper Island since I had studied there and, and everything. But when I started freelancing, the first thing I did was reach out to my network, um, as you tend to do. And I always loved Hyper Island, so I reached out to them and asked if I could I could help them out with anything. And I also reached out to Mural because, so for those who don't know and who are listening, um, Mural is an online um, whiteboard that you can use for collaboration um, with people anywhere. And you're basically collaborating in real time using things like digital sticky notes and drawing and images and text. And it, it really replaces the whiteboard maybe that you had in your office, but it's mm. even better. And so I had been using Mural um, early on uh, already at my previous job at Hano, um, the company I was explaining before. So I reached out to them as well because I used to blog about their, well, about me using their software basically. And so these were my two initial clients. Like I immediately got a yes from both Hyper Island and Mural, which was great. So I was doing maybe, I think I was doing like eight days a month for Mural and a few workshops here and there for Hyper Island. Then I also did, Hyper Island had like a three or four month online marketing course that I was helping with. And so that was, that was very steady because I immediately got clients who gave me like, regular work for quite a few months um and that i think helped um it, it reassured that need of for security that i always you know that always made me freak out before <laughs> <laughs> and then uh with time um hyper island also wanted more mural also wanted more and then I, I just had to make a decision on you know who i would work with more um, and I went with Mural and I have no regrets about that. It's been a really great evolution. But so with Mural right now, I'm still a contractor. I'm a long-term contractor, right? Um, been there for three years now. And I work about 70% with Mural. And then occasionally I do freelance work for other clients um, that I don't, I'm lucky that I don't really need to look for them, but they happen to find me or somebody connects them to me. Uh, your network again we'll probably mm -hmm. talk about that a little bit later um but you just mentioned you touched on a little bit there um organization is pretty much critical for you right you you have to make decisions as well what practical tips have you got and tools potentially for our listeners to to help them to understand if they're working with multiple companies how do you organize that where do you, where's your cutoff point those sort of things would be great yeah um i think first of all you need to have an understanding of how much time you have available and also how much you need to live well. And I think working at Hano, when we had to choose our own salaries, that already um, got me thinking about how much do I need to live well in London at the time, which <laughs> also like I had to be reasonable. I knew exactly how much the company was earning and it wasn't much. So, you know, at the time I, I put something very, very modest, but didn't allow me to make any savings whatsoever. Um, and with freelancing, I also, you know, inform myself a little bit more how other people were doing things. Uh, in terms of organization, I guess I just, sometimes I overcommit. I think a lot of freelancers do that, to be honest. And, and it's hard to 
know months in advance, like, oh yeah, I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to be in a big project then and I can take on more work. And then that month comes along and you're just totally overwhelmed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm sure. That's very typical. So I'm not going to say I'm super organized, to be honest. I just kind of have a belief in myself that I've always managed to wing it and go with it and I will succeed at some point um even though I may have some sleepless nights so you'll probably if anyone listening there you always have those months that it's going to be pretty hectic and then you might be able to arrange yourself again the next month but don't be you know don't be afraid if that happens it happens to everybody I guess Mm. right (laughs) yeah I think also the important thing that I realize is leave time like don't book yourself 100 Mm percent um I was really surprised by the amount of time it took me to do admin stuff. Um, oh, yeah. And maybe it's because I'm slow and maybe, you know, I'm not a great <laughs> numbers person. So anything that has to do with accounting or that kind of thing, I'm, I'm really bad that I, I did have an accountant who helped me a lot. Um, but it was just also in the beginning, depending on where you're settled, like I was, I had moved to another country and I was trying to do things. Um, I mean, I was away for a while and then I was trying to do things elsewhere and just like things like opening your business bank account and getting all of that sorted does take a while. I remember spending many, many, many hours on phones trying to like fix things. (laughs) Um, Maybe if you're in the country, it's easier because you can just walk to the bank and get things done that way. But I was trying to have everything available online or remotely so that I could continue traveling if I wanted to. Um, and so that was, that was really hectic at the beginning. And so I would definitely leave time for that. I was about to say, especially at the start, you just need to figure out how you actually work once you don't have a pre-planned meeting schedule that your company or your employer sort of prepares for you and you can just go through the motions. So I'm currently going through this as well because I just launched my own firm, um, Zamsu Consulting, and then also the podcast is a part of this, right? So we thought, okay, great. Let's just sit down, talk into the microphone. We're ready. But no, you're going to do your research. You have to do your outreach. You need to do a quick kickoff call. You need to record, edit, publish, post, social media. So it starts to consume a bit of time and you just need to especially when you're just starting out, allow for a couple of weeks to see how you groove in, how much time you need for which task, when do you want to do them um, to ensure that you know how much time you actually still have to offer to other people. So um, you mentioned this earlier, which I loved it so much, that my clients are finding me, which is fabulous. (laughs) But there's oftentimes a little bit of extra legwork that you have to do in the beginning, right? So you, um, the client can find the freelancer or the freelancer goes out and finds the client. The former is obviously super delicious um, when the work just arrives, but I'd love to talk a little bit more about the latter um, because I know that you have hustled quite a bit in your early days and put your, you put your name and yourself on the map. Um, and if I remember correctly, there was an adventure between Berlin and Vienna that was quite analog in that regard. Do you care to share? Ah, yes. <laughs> the early days. <laughs> so, yeah, I just wanted to point out that, like I said before, I was self-taught in, in graphic design for sure. Um, and looking for a job in something that you have no degree in, and let alone, like, especially in this field, you need a portfolio to show your work. It's less about the CV and it's all about what you've actually done. Um, it. I I hustled in that sense. I was unemployed, but then through unemployment, I got some kind of um, work experience that allowed me to build my portfolio. Um, I mean, it sounds like a contradiction, but it was work experience through unemployment. (laughs) And and, uh, basically, I decided that I needed to learn German if I wanted to come back to Switzerland and 
have higher chances of finding a job, I knew that having good German uh, linguistic skills would help me. So I'm from Switzerland, but I'm from the Italian speaking part and I speak French, but German is the, the, the language that most people speak in Switzerland. Um, so I decided to, I decided I didn't want to learn German in Switzerland because it's a different kind of German and I wanted to learn either in Austria or Germany. And so I went to both Vienna and Berlin uh, to look for a job. And this was after I had sent about 80 emails looking for <laughs> jobs and received only just 80, four, just 80. Uh, I received only four replies of which only one was um, an interest to get me to do an internship unpaid. <laughs> so, oh, that's um, terrible. Yeah. And this was when I was still looking for interior architecture. This was not graphic design, but I really like that experience really, it made me really sad. Actually, back then, I even went uh, to, to give letters like in person in different architecture studios, Love it. Um, but it didn't get any, any jobs. Um, and so I decided that I was going to go knock on doors again in these two countries. And I printed my portfolio and I, I basically had a, this list and um, I don't think I had a smartphone. No, I definitely did not have a smartphone. <laughs> so I had a map. And I had to look at the paper map and be like, all right, where is this situated? Where is this located? And just try to see like, okay, on day one, I'm going to do all these in the West. <laughs> day two, I'm going to do awesome. all these in the East. And my little paper map. And so I would just go um, to these agencies. And I don't even speak German <laughs> yet. <laughs> so I'm just, you know, showing up at places like, hello. Hello, guten Tag. Guten Tag. Wie geht's Ihnen? I need, ich, ich brauche, I don't know what I was saying. I need a job. <laughs> and then, um, anyway, and then there were some places I was so intimidated by the entrance or by the receptionist. It was like a mm. big company, like an advertising company that I would just turn around and go out again um but I did manage to get indoors in many places and they were always very surprised and just kind of like who are you why are you here <laughs> and nobody does this why don't you just send us an email and I was like because <laughs> it doesn't work um so yeah I, I, I showed up with a big smile <laughs> I said and and these yeah so I, I I showed up and it really it did work um when they couldn't give me a job for sure they were how can I say that I had caught their attention? So they would either advise me to go to other places where they knew people maybe looking for somebody, um, or at least they were kind with me and they left me their contacts for the future. Um, and I think I got offered two or three, two internships for sure, one in Vienna, one in Berlin, and then I went for Vienna. Um, but that was that was a great experience. I had also I was very um, low on my self-esteem in terms of my work at the time because I didn't have a degree. So it was really, really hard to push myself out there. But I was like, that's the only way they're going to notice me mm. um, is if I actually show up this <laughs> at the door. At the door. <laughs> that last point is fantastic <laughs> because, you know, not only is it a self-esteem question, oftentimes we also we talk a lot about extrovert, introvert, energy profiles. And, you know, you said I'm not particularly comfortable with myself, my work and this whole scenario, but I know that I have to do it. I need to be somehow unforgettable and let people remember mm -hmm. who I am. And just waltzing somewhere um, into the door and, you know, claiming your time, which mm -hmm. I've done in the past as well, unsuccessfully. Mm -hmm. I actually walked with my CV into a large <laughs> corporate and I said, nobody's replying to my emails. 
I hate this, but I'm here. I'm ready to go. My CV is in my hand. Please call the human resources department. And the receptionist actually did. And it took about two seconds for her to return to me and look at me and say, please go away. <laughs> um, you know. But it's so interesting you're talking about this, both of you now, because, you know, now we're internet and everything is like online and and we're we talk about it a lot in our other podcasts about how to leverage LinkedIn how to leverage all the different things and reaching out to people but it's still in my mind it's still good to have a big a mixture right Mm. to still show up to for people to meet you because yes you can have like you say you don't have many degrees on your CV so will they just automatically throw that away whereas you're gonna be a mixture of that like here's my CV here's my LinkedIn but let's go for coffee something like that you know how have you leveraged that now that you've got more access to internet and not just your map (laughs) and I think just yeah the map was amazing but I think also leveraging what you know works in your favor so I think that just from you know just I guess growing up I do have a, a a good presence I know how to make the most of my physical presence um I know I can be very sociable and um yeah just build a connection with somebody when I have them face to face um probably better than if i was you know online Mm. now it's different but i think back then doing all this online stuff wasn't very common either and emails were much more formal and all of that Mm -hmm. um and so i just thought i know that if i show up it it can it can work in my in my favor Mm -hmm. So interestingly, um, when we spoke earlier, you mentioned that, you know, sometimes clients will find you and you're actually a little bit surprised about this. And they go, how do you know about me? And they just punched in a couple of um, keywords into Google and then your name popped up. In order for this to happen, you need to establish some kind of footprint. So either have your portfolio online, have your own homepage or use tools like um, Twitter um, or you mentioned earlier your blog quite proficiently. So is that something that you've invested lots of time in um, at the beginning? And do you still do that to get the word out about yourself yeah it's uh it's very useful to have a digital footprint especially these days if you want people to to find you but also when for example at mural when we hire even at hano when we were hiring we were interested in knowing how people think and how people express themselves so having some kind of whether it's twitter or a blog or something like that that's where you can really see how the person um expresses themselves right um and especially when you're working remotely, that's important because you have a lot of written communication. Um, so yeah, I used to, I mean, I used to blog more. I don't, I, I, I maybe now I write one blog post a year, so it's not that much, but I used to blog, I used to blog a bit more. Um, and whenever there was an opportunity to maybe, um, yeah, connect with somebody, I would, I would, I would take it. So I did that. And also what really, really helped me, which still helps me today, is I wrote my master's thesis for Hyper Island on Medium. And I published it on Medium. And it was also about a topic that didn't really exist at the time. I honestly, like not to say that I'm the first person because I'm probably not at all, but um, I was talking about how to do design thinking remotely. And design thinking existed, of course, but no almost nobody had written about remote design thinking and so when I wrote about that and you would search at the time it would be like the first or second link that would show up um and putting it on medium is something many people don't think about you know publishing their thesis online yeah Mm. and for me it was well that's the format I delivered it in also because Hyper Island was about digital transformation and so they said you know you can you can 
you can hand in a podcast, you can hand in a video, you could really mm-hmm. be very exper- experimental with your format. Mm-hmm. But also I thought, I mean, of course, I was afraid of putting a thesis out there and somebody completely like tearing it apart. <laughs> <laughs> it's very scary. It's a bit scary. Yeah? Um, but also, uh, you know, I remembered in, in my old, because I actually had studied international relations at the very beginning of my studies. I remember people writing their thesis at the time and then it would just collect dust at the library. Mm-hmm. And you'd see this whole shelf of, yeah. of students, ex-students, you know, all their thesis there. Thesis, I don't even know how to say it in plural. Um, but you would see it there and you're like, oh no, like maybe your mentor is the only person who read it and all those hours, you know? Mm. And I thought, at least if I put it on Medium, like it continues to live on mm. and it's not just one person. Like it wasn't for just that grade or, you know, getting my degree. And I still get people to this day reading it, commenting on it, liking it, sharing it. And that makes me really happy because I feel like I've contributed something to the design community that is still useful. It's, it's probably a lot of things are outdated there right now, especially in the tech um, part of stuff. But I think it's, yeah, that, that helped me a lot. It's putting yourself out there and also, yeah, take the risk that somebody may say, you know, have a different opinion, but that's just going to help you learn more and grow more. And we're all about knowledge transfer on our podcast. And it's quite sad to think that. So mm. many and so many subjects that theses are just like left and that's it. They think all that thinking of a young person who's thinking differently, you know, uh, is all gone because it's not online. And it's a really nice thing for people to li- listening to do. Maybe mm. that's one of the things they can do if they're writing a thesis. Think about how else you can share it and not just put it on that shelf. No, I love that idea. And so um, I don't want to say it's a pro tip because I'm not a pro, but <laughs> I was um, I was doing my I was also doing a master's last year, and so now I've started my own company. I also have a, um, a blog going, and um, the topic that I wrote about during my master's is something that I also work in professionally at the moment. So instead of publishing it in one piece, I've sort of split it into three individual seg- um, segments, and I've made a series out of it that I'm currently publishing on my blog. Right, mm-hmm. so you can still leverage that thought leadership. You can still be picked up on for these thoughts that you had all of those years ago and let that work uh, let that you know body of work do the work for you because that is never put to rest once it's on the internet it's on the internet i recently googled my own name and i found my bachelor thesis from 2015 <laughs> and i was like who uploaded that i don't understand but it's there it's got my name on it i'm not mad about it mm-hmm. um he spoke a couple of times about, you know, the next segment of this particular episode, which is remote work, which is such an interesting and um, um, new hot item in terms of ways of working. We've heard about this from previous guests as well that say this is the future together with, you know, entrepreneurships, more freelance. People want to break out of these predefined structures. Mm-hmm. So the pandemic has forced many of us into remote work with, you know, its many challenges, but you've been doing it for ages and have coached others to do it as well so what is your perspective on this becoming you know more and more the norm and tell us the good the bad the ugly and the gorgeous and the gorgeous yes. <laughs> um so with remote work well there's i just don't i don't know what, where you want me to start because there's so much that i can say um i guess i'll just keep it brief it's i think The unfortunate thing now with COVID is that people are experiencing it for the first time in a Mm -hmm. very restrictive manner. Mm. And so I'm hearing a lot of my friends and and clients and things like that. Everybody's just kind of like, oh, this is, you know, really tough. I don't know how you did this for years. 
Um, I, you know, a lot of people are looking forward to going back to the office and they see the benefits of it as well, but they're also thinking that this is not as nice as they hoped it would be maybe. Um, and the reality is that it's hard for me too, because this is remote work during a pandemic. <laughs> this yeah. is not remote yeah. work in previous times. And even for me, you know, I used to work remotely, but I had the freedom of going to a co-working space or I could work from home or I'd go to a friend's house or I'd pack my bags and go to the Canary Islands and work from there for a few uh, weeks, you know? <laughs> um, and, and now you can't do any of that. Plus you're home the whole time and maybe you have to see your flatmates all the time or your, or your family or you're alone and you're very isolated. And so it just completely changes the experience of what remote work can actually be like. Um, so that's, that's what I will say for that. I mean, the ugly part during a pandemic is that you feel the negative sides of it, especially the isolation, which has been a huge isolation has always been the hardest part about remote work, especially if you're an extrovert. And then this lockdown situation reinforces that a lot more. And so it just brings up the ugly part more and more, I think. But I, I think there's also a lot of people who now can see the benefits of it as well. And and um, even em- employers, right? Companies are now talking about a hybrid model and that we will never go entirely back to the offices, but we'll probably have a mix of, you know, being able to go to the office and also being able to work remotely. And so in a way, I, I think that's a great thing that COVID has done is it has accelerated the trend towards remote work um, massively by like 10, 20 years um, to the point where now it's, it's become yeah, mainstream and, mm-hmm. and everybody knows what it's like. But there's still a lot of work to do in order for people to understand how it can be done better. And the thing is that the hybrid model is the most complicated one. It's much easier to work remotely when everybody's remote. But it gets from a culture perspective and, and processes and all of these kind of things, it becomes much more complex when you have people in the office and remote. Yeah, I think, well, I want to just forget we're in COVID right now and just <laughs> talk about how to make it great how to make remote work like what sort of platforms to use what are the best ones like without being death by zoom all these things what what else can you give our audience if we didn't have the situation right now and they were remote working what are the best things to help them to flourish in this situation how to make it fun for yourself as well right how do you keep it you know sexy and entertaining go to the canary islands yeah (laughs) yeah exactly um yeah i would say well I, I don't really recommend tools and, and platforms because I feel like those change all the time. So, you know, when I started, we were using Skype and now we're using Zoom and who knows what will come next. Um, so I think the important thing is to understand what are your needs? Uh, do you need something to communicate? Okay, find a, you know, a video conference tool. Do you need something to collaborate? Okay, find an online collaboration tool like Mural, uh, do you need, um, no, but there's many others, right? Do you need a project management tool? Find, like, find, experiment with things, know that it takes time to figure out what works for you. And then more importantly, um, document the way that you work. Um, that's going to help the rest of your company agree on this is our way of working. Um, like at Mural, that's something that, you know, we're, we're figuring out as well is what is the Mural way of working? Because the Mural way of working is not going to be the same as, um, I don't know, the, I mentioned Buffer earlier. So the Buffer way of working, right? Um, so 
it's documenting that and also, you know, having moments where you can discuss with everybody else. Um, this is what works for me. And as a freelancer, it's kind of the same thing, but you just do it for yourself. Right. Um, so I even have like Google docs where I keep notes of how to, um, how to do all my accounting things, how to um, claim my expenses and these kind of things. Otherwise I'll forget. And so I think documentation is a huge part of working remotely that you need to, you need to consider. Yes, and to it's interesting because it seems like such a such a mundane thing, but I think keeping a good track record of how things work, um, it also means that if you can teach somebody else, for example. So I'm currently writing also a manual on how we have built the podcast out, um, in case anybody's interested in building their own. There are thousands of them out there, but this is our way, this mm-hmm. is our method, and I think people would be quite interested. If I've taken I've taken so much away with me from this episode. The one thing that really stands out to me is you make your own rules, whether you are employed or whether you're a freelancer, you build your own culture, you build your own ways of working and you make it work for your life and the way that you want your life to feel. So you've given us so much to think about. My mind is utterly blown. Indeed, Tom, absolutely. Mine too. And so many other things I need to note down, Mm. documenting what I do. I'm not very good at that. So I need to find a way. Tom knows very well. I'm really bad at it. So, that's great. I, I definitely take that away. Um, we would like you to, though, give two or three of your top tips that you would give to listeners to immediately do after listening to this podcast, whether it being about freelancing or how, how to work remotely, anything that you feel people would take away from this podcast. Mm, uh, the first thing I would recommend is no matter what you're doing, Uh, who you're talking to or how you're selling yourself Um, be genuine in who you are and what you're doing I know that you know we have to maybe flaunt our strengths more and and that kind of thing and and that's very true but I think people can sense when you're not being authentic and it's something that maybe people don't take into consideration so much like how what makes you 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 know Mm. and that is what is going to attract the right kind of people for you and and it's the same for for small companies sometimes like we had we were ourselves when we were working at Hano we had a lot of stuff out there and sometimes clients would want to work with us because we were different you know and then there were clients who who were expecting something else and we had to learn also how to turn things down when we, when we knew it wasn't a good fit. And I think that applies to an individual as well. Like, no, also, if you don't want to work with a client, that's okay. You don't have to say yes to everything. Um, just, yeah, be genuine to yourself and, and with others. Um, and then a second tip I would say is, is keep putting yourself out there, whether it's because you're writing and publishing and, and sharing things. Um, a lot of people I think are too afraid of the reaction. The reality is there's so much content out there. Mm. um, It's kind of like that expression, you know, dance like no one's watching because maybe no one is reading. And then those who read will are probably reading it because they're interested in what you're reading. Right. Um, And um, so keep putting yourself out there. Also when it comes to, reaching out to people that you would like to network with. I did a lot of that through Twitter mainly at the time. And I I thought Twitter was the best platform to get people's attention because you're not writing these long messages. People can't stand, like people who are very busy, especially if they're in senior roles, they have a lot of emails and messages. 
Um, and if you write this whole long message of like, dear, whatever, hi, who, this is who I am. Dear. Dear. <laughs> I don't know who writes dear, maybe not. But like, I get some dear messages sometimes. They do. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I think it depends also on the culture you're in. But um, you, you know, paragraph one, your introduction. Paragraph two, what you want from them. Paragraph three, you reinforce it. It's, it's like, it's too much text. People don't have the time <laughs> or the bandwidth and they just lose interest and completely like delete your message or just don't read it. Um, and I found Twitter was great and I understand that not everybody is on Twitter, but it's just so concise and it's public. So it's like, they kind of need to reply because it's out there. So I would just say, hi, um, I'd love <laughs> to ask you a question about this and this. Can I send you a DM? And they would reply usually, yes. Uh, sure, they'd follow me back and then I could send them a, a direct message. Amazing. Um, so that, those are my two tips is just uh, reach out to people. The worst that can happen is you, if you reach out and the person doesn't reply. Um, and it's okay to like follow up to maximum, I would say three times. Um, I had a friend, she was asking me for advice recently. She's like, Oh, how do I contact this person? I was like, well, contact them first of all. Mm. <laughs> and, and then she, you know, after a week, she's like, Oh, this person didn't get back to me. I was like, well, just follow up. Maybe they've been busy and maybe they didn't see the message and they forgot and it worked, you know? So don't, don't like abandon ship right away. That's it. I think this is such a wonderful piece. You know, if nobody has said no to you recently, you probably haven't been asking for enough things. This is what we heard the other day as well. Leila, thank you so much um, for your many wisdoms and for being on the show with us. This was amazing. Well, everybody, this was it. Uh, today's episode with the wonderful Leila van Alvensleben. And this was also it for our entire month dedicated to the world of entrepreneurship. If you're new to the show and this was your first episode, but you're interested to learn more, go hop over to your favorite podcast player and check out the other golden interviews that we've done in the month of uh, March 2021. Brilliant stuff. Um, next week's episode is going to be another special special episode where it's just Nikki and I chatting about this and that and certainly chatting about how we are managing our own careers and uh, we'll implement some of the amazing tips that we've received this month moving forward. Also be sure to hop over to Instagram and follow us at Go Hire Podcast. Um, it'll help us out loads to grow the channel um, and to help spread the news and the word about the work that we're doing. We show B-roll, we show top tips, we show some silly stuff and a bit more of ourselves from behind the scenes. So check it out. And as always, gentlewomen, gentlemen, and everybody in between, let's go get it.